The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It might be the offseason, but there is never a bad time to get riled up on the Dallas Cowboys, and that's what we do here every Thursday here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network with my man Tom Ryle, the namesake of the program, and your boy Roy White. Now, of course, our uh, champion of the Blogging the Boys whole kind of shebang at SB Nation. One RJ Ochoa is responsible for the Ocho that would typically come out. Uh, that will not be coming out today program note uh, instead rj is focusing on getting some interviews with some very well-known cowboys certainly the likes of demarcus ware and trayvon uh, trevor lawrence who we've already seen obviously not a cowboy and then trayvon diggs scheduled to join them on the youtube channel there on thursday so make sure you check that out as we will not have the oak show but we'll have plenty of content for you blogging the boys rolling through the super bowl as we get you ready and rolling into the offseason tom the cowboys though it seems like everybody's attention is still on them, even though uh, <laughs> it's been almost three weeks now since they've had a meaningful football game. But having said that, I guess we can take some solace in the fact that the Cowboys are always going to be on the front page. And therefore, it provides us with lots to dig into, lots to sink our teeth into when it comes to you know how the Cowboys might approach the offseason. And we've got plenty of time to do that. Free agency kind of be going to be coming up in about a month from now, but this is always a good time. And Tom is great about reminding us of this fact to assess, you know, kind of where the luck fell on your end a season ago and how that may not be the case as we go forward, Tom, and you have a terminology for this that some may be familiar with, but I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I'm worried about regression to the mean this year. We hate this. We hate this term uh, when we've just come off of a great season, Tom. That's true. If I'm 5 and 12, I love regression to the mean. Yeah, if you're down at the bottom, you're looking to get better. The problem is getting into the upper quarter of the, uh, the league where you're, you know, rolling into playoffs after playoffs and staying there. That ain't so easy. There's always some churn in who makes the playoffs and who does it year to year. Uh, and uh, there are very few teams like right now, say the Kansas City Chiefs, who can kind of pretty much punch their ticket and know they're going to make it because they've got such a good team. 
I don't think the Cowboys are there yet. And as a matter of fact, I don't think they're in as good a position to repeat a 12-win season as they were last year. Mm. I think they had a really good roster rolling in. And I just don't think that's the case. But you have to you have to understand that the, the NFL is they are really obsessed with parity. They don't want a team to get stuck in the doldrums for year after year after year. And so they've come up with various ways to try to, to make it easier for teams at the bottom to, to climb up. And it also puts a little limit on the teams at the top who want to try to stay there. Uh, big one is the salary cap. Uh, that was brought into existence solely to prevent rich owners like, ironically, Jerry Jones, who was the one that was throwing money around like mad to win his uh, third Super Bowl back when Barry Switzer was in town and he went out, paid a fortune to get Deion Sanders in to put him over the top. The salary cap is to prevent teams from doing that. Uh, and it kind of works. Uh, teams have become very good at manipulating the cap. Uh, some are really good at manipulating their overall payroll structure and everything. But still, there's only so much you can do. You have to, to say, okay, we can't go any further. Our free agency is done. Uh, you know, or, you know, we would like to get these four players, but we can only sign two of them because it just is too much money and salary cap involved. So the cap puts uh, an immediate limit on some of that. Another thing that directly tries to tilt the scale is how they assign draft position and waiver wire priority, which basically is the more games you win, the further back on the list you are. So when you're a successful team, your draft capital normally becomes less valuable. And if there's a player that gets released by another team you really want and you've got a good record from last year, you have to sweat whether the, all the teams in front of you are going to let that guy get through to you. Mm -hmm. uh, so, some, you know, somebody ahead of you puts in a waiver wire claim too bad, you're not going to get it no matter how badly you wanted to get a given player. Well, and those two items in and of themselves, I think, are enough to like squeeze teams back to the middle. But the other thing I always consider from year to year that you have to remember is the differentiation between what your schedule is going to look like and that of your divisional opponents, right? And nothing really changes. You all play the same divisions. Um, now that we had that 17th game, obviously, there is somewhat more variance. But the other factor that's involved there is that you play the team that finished in the same position in the other two divisions in your conference that you're not already playing. And so if you and finish at the top of your division, you got to play the team that won the division a season ago for the mm -hmm. Cowboys. I actually think in this sense, Tom, they're maybe in a better position than they were a year ago, because even though they had an excellent mm -hmm. record with 12 wins, they did not win the division. And so next season, they're going to get to play against the teams that finished runner up. And in some cases, um, you know, I think of the AFC, uh, the NFC North specifically, like that runner up team is a far uh, less or team of quality than the team that actually won the division. And I'm thinking like 
the Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers doesn't scare anybody, right? Yeah, um, and I don't know who do they play as the other one. Which uh, which is the division that they're? Yes, division the Cowboys. The Cowboys will play uh, the AFC East. They will play mm-hmm. the NFC West, and yeah. that means the so, NFC North and the NFC South are the teams that they're going to be playing that finished in their position. And oh, by the way, in the South, right? Is yeah. that the Arizona Cardinals or the Car- no, Sorry, no. That, sorry, that's the Carolina Panthers, and yeah, then Arizona so, Cardinals are their one seventeenth game. So, like, yeah, that. No, I, I think I think they play they play one team out of the AFC for that seventeenth game under the same kind of rules. Oh my bad, sorry. Arizona's in the in the West. There, you're yeah. right. Um, yeah, and and but the thing is, what you just said about the NFC North applies very much to the NFC South. You know, uh, the second place team in a a, a division that didn't even have a team with a fi- uh, record over five hundred. But I think that kind of washes uh, because, you know, this year especially, that's kind of a weak division there, so that doesn't help. It's it's only three games, um, you know, and I I don't – it does play a factor. I just think the other things are a little bit more important. And to me, the big thing this year is the Cowboys are 27th in the draft order. Now they actually picked 26 overall in the first round because there was a forfeited draft pick that Miami held. So they bump up one still that's down there. Now they've proven that they can do pretty well in the first round when drafting late. See Tyler Smith, uh, who, uh, you know, when they did a redraft uh, of the 2022 draft, uh, I think he was the first offensive lineman off the board, and the Cowboys wouldn't have had him there in, in that case if, if the te- other teams had been able to see into the future. But they do have mistakes. I mean, you don't have to go back too far to run into names like Tristan Hill and Taco Charlton. So they're not infallible in the first round. And the further back you are, the harder it gets because every the better step you back have to be, means, the more perfect and yeah. precise you have to be. Because if you miss mm-hmm. and you get a guy that, you know, not only is not a day one contributor, but then winds up being a project piece and your next yeah. pick doesn't come until late second, early third. Holy yeah. Way. And it's yeah, in this case, it's you know it's they're going to be very late in all the rounds. Yeah. I don't think they've traded away anything except for their six rounder, and they're getting three or four comp picks back. So, you know, it kind of balances out. And the problem this year is they've just got so much talent they have to replace. Now, I've been hammering this a little bit uh, in my articles, but you look at their list of free agents that are potentially that potentially could depart for another team. It's massive. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, look at the, the starters, Dalton Schultz, Anthony Brown, Leighton Vanderish, Connor McGovern, Terrence Still, Donovan Wilson. And even though he wasn't a starter, their best running back, Tony Pollard. Hmm. 
Now, the Cowboys love to pay their own, but they ain't paying all of those guys to bring them back. Uh, there's going to be some holes. And if you look at it from a competitive stance, I pulled up the team that they have to worry the most about next year, the Philadelphia Eagles, who, <clears throat> yeah, they're playing Sunday in the Super Bowl. Ignore much it. As we wanna, much as nauseous, much as it nauseates us. They just have a much shorter free agent list. And, you know, they've got some starters on it, but you look at like three of those starters, they're Fletcher Cox, Jason Hargrave, and James Bradbury. Uh, I think Bradbury's the youngest at 29, and everybody knows that 30 is basically geriatric in NFL years, except maybe for quarterbacks. So there's a good chance that old Howie Roseman, who isn't afraid to make the hard decisions and cut bait when he needs to, is going to be looking to move on from those three anyway. So all of a sudden, the Eagles, they just have, you know, they, they've got less places they need to worry about from the number of free agents, and they're going to be looking to the future. And, oh, yeah, they've got a bonus first-round pick all the way up at number two. 10 to help them fill their holes wow the cowboys have a much taller hill to climb in trying to restock the roster and i think come the start of the season we're going to be looking at a less capable less talented far less proven roster than they rolled into 2022 with and the strength of your roster is far and away the most important factor in the NFL. I'm sorry, but, you know, as as uh, Jimmy Johnson was fond of quoting, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. If you do a good job putting talent out there, uh, especially if you do try to match that to whatever scheme the coaches do on a run, your team is sometimes going to win games despite the coaches making idiotic mistakes. Uh, you know, there's, you know, you can look at examples. The favorite one is Peyton Manning. I don't think it really mattered who was calling the offense because Manning was running the offense on the field. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he just, he didn't care. You send in a play he didn't like, he just call his own and go out there and get, get another first down or a touchdown. Um, so who you've got on the field is so important. And I'm just worried that this roster is not going to be nearly as talented. And part of it is a matter of timing because you look at some of those names uh, to all be hitting at the same time is kind of weird. And, you know, you've got late round picks like Donovan Wilson. Uh, you've got, Terrence Steele was a UDFA, so they they hit. He's hitting early. He's also going to be a restricted free agent because of that, which means the Cowboys have plenty of control if they want to bring him back. That's just one problem you've got. And if you think about it, that's kind of a tribute to the draft class involved, uh, because uh, outside of Vanderish, I think the all other guys all came at the same time, mm -hmm. and. You know, that's a pretty stellar draft class when you got that many starters at the end of their rookie deals. Uh, but 
there's the problem. You hit one hit really big in the draft one year, and four years later, you've got decisions you have to make. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And the so, Cowboys have some significant ones on that front. That, and that's where... I mean, I don't know. I did want to touch on you saying, like, did we think that they had a that talented of a roster a season ago coming into it? I don't feel like we did. Yeah, but you got to look at retrospect. I, I agree. And I think that's the part of it that I just wanted to clarify. Like, I yeah. didn't think they had that good of a team. Uh, by the end of the season, I was wrong. They had a much better team than I anticipated, although it wasn't quite good enough to get them over the hump. And so yeah. I would it now would... agree with you that while they might look better than they than we felt about them a season ago, I do agree with you. I think it's a higher probability that they are going to be much worse. And I hate saying that, feeling like I'm a broken record from a season ago, but yeah. we're in the same position that we were. The same yeah, and you don't positional have, needs. You don't, you don't have to look at it as being a, a bunch worse. You just have to look at it as in the fact that they're probably losing ground against the Eagles because the, the, the best strategy you have to get to the playoffs is win your division. So that means you have to figure out who your real challengers are there. And it's, you know, barring us being just completely wrong and things collapsing up, up in the city of brotherly love, you're just you, you just are going to have to get through them if you want to win the NFC East and I'm I don't know that the Cowboys will I know that's kind of heresy it's you know depends on how you play the games but how can you argue with what the Eagles have accomplished and yeah that is taking into account that Jalen Hurts may be a more limited quarterback than Dak Prescott is but they built such a roster around him that they overcome that. Uh, I certainly hope the Kansas City Chiefs have that equation solved because I couldn't stand it if the Eagles were to come out holding another Lombardi trophy. But that's another story. <laughs> that's another issue. I mean, if they did, though, it would be another thorn in the side for Cowboys fans who will have literally seen an Eagles organization that won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback, by the way, 
tore it all down, Tom, and then rebuilt it back up to a Super Bowl champion team in the same time frame that we have seen the Cowboys virtually spinning their wheels and failed still to get mm-hmm. to an NFC championship game. Yeah, and that's why I said it's it's going to be hard for the Cowboys to have a better record next year. Uh, I think they, they, they could be a a good contender to get into the wild card round, especially since there are now three wild card teams under the 17 game schedule and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, you know, I, I just, you look at this and this is a very tough job. People that think, Oh, Cowboys have a strong roster need to back up and say, yeah, they've got some strong pieces, but they've got some holes. Uh, And one of them they carried over from last year is wide receiver. They've got to do something there. That's going to possibly put a claim on some free agent money, or it's going to take some high draft capital. So, you know, now you've, compounded the problem you've got a hole that still sits there plus all these other things and limited resources to correct it uh so yeah and they're gonna have to uh figure out how to allocate that that cap space this year uh because right now they sit seven million dollars in the hole now they're going to pull some levers and flip some switches and maybe release a couple of three players and they're going to get the cap space. That's just part of doing business. Still, they're only going to generate so much. They're, they're loath to go deep, deep into the hole. Boy, teams like the new Orleans saints do year after year after year. Uh, And, you know, you look at, you look at the Eagles and they're not really in any trouble at all. It's just, yeah. The Eagles aren't is, forced into a box the way that I feel like the Cowboys are going to be this offseason. Like the Eagles are going to lose some like substantial pieces in skill position players. Like Miles Sanders is going to be gone, like 1,200 yard rusher for them. But for some reason, no one feels any kind of way about losing him to the Eagles offense as the talk has been around the Cowboys and the potential of losing Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And I would at least be curious with you, Tom, like we know at some point in the off season when things have dried up and we've got very little cap money to go that the Cowboys are going to throw a lot of money by paying very little to multiple players at a specific position in hopes that they can find gold at that spot. They did it at wide receiver this past season. My question is, do we think they'll do it at that same position this year, wide receiver, or is there another position that if you had to say, hey, we're going to go short and take a chance that we don't find a guy here because we're basically scraping the bottom of the, bar- bottom of the barrel. Is there a position that you would do that with? Because there is for me, and it's an obvious choice. But Yeah, and we're, we're, I, think, I think you read down a little ahead in my article there because <laughs> right now there is talk. Um, there actually was an article uh, that came out uh, by writer NFL writer Tony Pauline that said the Cowboys are expected to franchise tag Tony Pollard and Ezekiel will play on a reduced contract. And even if they do get Pollard's number down, I mean, Elliot's number down, 
Pollard basically puts them right back in the situation. They are overpaying the running back room. Constantly. And and they've been doing this ever since they drafted Zeke. Uh, they put too, too much into him. And, you know, I'm not here to start an argument with all the Zeke lovers and everything. I'm just saying that historically. Are there any you, of them left? Huh? I mean, the Zeke what? lovers. Like, I don't hear anybody in the fan base being like, we got to have Zeke back in his three-yard runs. We got to yeah. have Zeke back to get one yard on third down. We got to have Zeke back because he's so unstoppable inside the five. Yeah, I Big think the last deal. I think last year kind of quieted that down a lot. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at the whole history. They they took him with the fourth overall pick, which is mm-hmm. a massive overinvestment. I don't care how great a running back he was the first three or four years, how great he was in college. You can get nearly that level of production on day two. Day well, three, three sometimes of the draft. In some cases. Yeah. yeah. And running back, sadly for them, are one of the most interchangeable pieces in the NFL. Uh, and running the football depends at least as much on the blocking up front and how the, the, the offensive play caller is mixing things up and using motion and stuff to deceive the defense so that they're looking for a pass when they get a run or they think the run's going this way and it goes the other, that kind of thing. And yeah, that's, that's a disturbing thing that we're getting the hints from. We've heard them talk. We heard them talk all year about how the running game was what made the Cowboys offense go, which I think is a fallacy. Uh, and that seems to be going. And one thing that I think Jerry Jones uh, still has too much say, he's he's given up so much of his general manager responsibility to Stephen Jones. Stephen has his flaws. But I think one thing where Jerry Jones is still sticking his nose in is his support of Zeke. I think he loves Zeke and he wants to see him around. And I think, you know, when Jerry comes in and starts making it clear what he wants to do, what are you going to say? He's the guy that signs the dang paychecks and you're going to find a way to make him happy. I mean, I know what I'll say. um, And I'll say what many have said. It's not an original thought, but for a man who espouses and claims and says he would do anything to win a championship to then allow himself and allow his heart and his love for an individual as a person. And I think Zeke is a nice kid, right? I mean, he has some transgressions during his time in the NFL, but in general, I think he's a good kid. I think he's probably a good person and a good teammate, great locker room presence, but all that means nada. Because I've seen plenty of guys come through that are good locker room presences. I could be a good locker room presence. You wouldn't want me in an NFL locker room. You wouldn't want me (laughs) on your football team. Because I couldn't do a damn thing for you on the field. And that is where I feel like Zeke has come to. And, And really, this specific decision, I think, tells us 
a mountain about what is still going on with the Cowboys internally. If Jerry yeah. does tip the scales in any way to keep Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott here, when all the conventional wisdom, and quite honestly, not just conventional wisdom, probably all the analytical wisdom, all the wisdom wisdom is telling him he has no place here in the NFL anymore, well then it would be as big of an indictment as any decision that has been made by the Cowboys front office in my mind in the last 10 years. It would yeah. be it would probably be amongst the top two or three worst deals the Cowboys have done if they decide to bring Zeke back on any contract in my yeah. mind. Not just forward. release him outright. It, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. To not just and, save the money and address it somewhere else, I don't know what we were doing here. Yeah, and and, and there's a couple of other things I want to get to here as our time grows short. You know, there was a major change uh, at offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore's with us no longer. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer has been brought in as the offensive coordinator but I think Mike McCarthy is the de facto offensive coordinator this year. He's going to be calling plays. I think it's going to be his scheme, uh, which I think may be a good thing in some ways. But that's going to be a change for Dak Prescott. It's going to be a change for the whole offense. Is, is there going to be new terminology? Are they going to be trying different kinds of schemes, different kinds of packages? That can be an adjustment that may take a while and that can cost you a couple games, particularly easy early in the season while your offense is finding its footing. Uh, and will McCarthy actually start using the pass more effectively or is he still going to feel that pressure to run the dang ball? And, uh, you know, they, they, they have to find a way to go out there and quit having these wasted first downs, essentially, where you wind up with second nine, second and eight. Uh, I think they need to lean more on early down passing. Uh, and they need to quit forcing Dak Prescott to basically be perfect for the offense to work. I think that's part of why we saw the, uh, the, the interception rate go up. And it ties directly to that wide receiver flaw that they didn't fix it. Uh, he was having to make something with some guys that weren't all that great out there running routes. And I think he, that made him force some throws that he might not have otherwise. Uh, you know, the team would get into third and long and he'd have to try to move the sticks. And it just, you know, that's a serious one. I think that we need to watch now. That may resolve itself of all of these issues. That's one that probably has the best chance of them handling fairly well. You know, McCarthy's been around a long time. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's now, I think, going to have more synchronicity in the offensive staff, which can pay benefits in and of itself. But th there's one other factor. You know, I talked about how they've got to look at the Philadelphia Eagles. But you look at the NFC this year, you know, we all thought the NFC East was going to suck as a whole going mm -hmm. into the season. Uh, you know, not only are the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, but while the Cowboys were the very definition 
of treading water, posting an identical 12 and five record to what they did in 2021. The Giants and the Commanders got a lot better this year. And if they are teams on the rise, suddenly the Cowboys don't have don't have to they, they can't just focus on the guy they're chasing. They've got to look at who's chasing them. And all of this says to me, we better be braced. This is probably going to be a tougher year than last year. Mm. And everybody goes, oh, well, it sucked because we didn't get – well, okay. Well, smooth sailing, Tom. The, <laughs> the Cowboys made the playoffs and won a game, which was an improvement over the previous year. Now we better be kind of braced that, that it's going to be a tougher road to hoe. They could even take a step back for a year because, <clears throat> excuse me, they may need an extra year just to get the roster sorted back out again and get in some more talent. Like I said, they kind of caught a little bit of a wave here. They've got to get through of, of people that are hitting free agency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just going to have to see. Well, and just lurking beyond this year. Tom, we know Trayvon Diggs can start to make waves basically this offseason about a new contract. And then shortly thereafter, it'll be Micah Parsons and CeeDee Lamb making their own noise uh, after those fifth-year contracts kick in for yeah. that first-round draft pick. That's a problem in having a bunch of stars and one or two superstars on your team. you know. Because I think Micah Parsons is – I think he's pretty much a consensus defensive superstar in the league. Mm-hmm. Those guys are expensive to retain. Yeah. And uh, th- those aren't the kind of guys you want to churn. No. And it's just, it's hard. This is going to be, I, I I do pick on Steven Jones a lot, but there's some really big problems he's facing in how to get people paid and retain the right the right players. And uh, now I'm not going to say I wouldn't like somebody who is better at it doing the job, but you know, he's got a, he's got a, a, a pretty steep, steep hill to climb. Well, we'll keep you posted on any and all moves that the Cowboys make all off season. As we follow along there on blogging, the boys again, Super Bowl coverage all week long there on blogging, the boys.com. So no, the Ocho podcast is RJ Ocho has got interviews coming up later this week with our man, Trayvon Diggs. Check that out on Thursday. Of course, you can check out his interview with DeMarcus Ware from earlier this week as well. But for Tom, I'm Roy. Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys and we will see you next Thursday. <laughs>